At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Wait a minute. Ben Roethlisberger retired? Who knew that was coming? Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta here in the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by BetRivers and BetRivers.com. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com where you can bet on just about anything. And I'm sure soon enough, odds will be posted on who will be Ben Roethlisberger's successor. And I guess if you're holding on to the long shot that Ben won't actually retire after the goodbye tour in the game against Baltimore, or the one against Cleveland, well, then unfortunately, I think you've lost your money. Because now it is official, Roethlisberger has retired. He is no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's where Mike and I will start the conversation today before we get to the look at the lines for the AFC and NFC Championship games, which we will certainly dive into as well. But Mike, who saw this coming, huh? Uh, Tim, I'm, I'm overcome with emotion. I feel awful about this. Back in 2004, I had Ben Roethlisberger over 18 years for his career. Uh, I guess it's a push. That's a long time to wait for no blood. You know what I found out today? Cause I completely forgotten this. I don't know why my brain tuned this out, but when I was going back to do some stuff for tomorrow for, for the trip on Roethlisberger, you know, Sean Andrews actually made two pro bowls and was an all pro once the guard everybody thought they were going to take that ended up with the Philadelphia Eagles, the guard they were going to take until Dan Rooney talked them out of it. Right. Exactly. To that point, what do you think Art's going to do? Like, how do you think Art leans on this when it comes to replacing Ben? Because I want to advance two theories to you. you. Tell me which one is more close to the truth, all right? Is Art more likely of the opinion that, hey, I've been with this organization since 1989. I know what it looked like between Bradshaw and Ben. We're 11 years into a drought of not going to the Super Bowl as it is. I'm 69 years old. I don't want to wait the next 14 before we find the next Roethlisberger like it took last time. We're going to move quickly and try to get an Aaron Rodgers, a Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, or trade up in the draft. Do you think he's in that camp? Or do you think he's in the other camp, which is, you know, in that stretch of time where everybody says things were so bad around here, we actually went to the playoffs 10 times, won nine playoff games, and went to a handful of AFC championship games and won Super Bowl. It wasn't that bad. Like, which way do you think Art leans in his own head? Tim, to paraphrase Bob Euchre in Major League, Major League, well, obviously Taylor's thinking, I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> I, I wish I did, but uh, I know this. 
it's a lot easier to get that guy now than it was when Terry Bradshaw went away. Yes. Veteran quarterbacks move. Yes. Uh, they, they become free agents. They are traded. Uh, it used to be anybody worth a damn wasn't going anywhere. You know, Joe Namath didn't go to the Rams until he couldn't walk anymore. Johnny Unitas didn't go to the Chargers until he was barely still breathing. I mean, if they want to go get somebody besides what they have, there's a means to do that. Now, who that guy would be, what it would cost, that remains to be seen if they go down that road. I also think they know, because they were probably watching the games like everybody else was last weekend, if they were watching Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and then looking at their roster and thinking, yeah, quarterback, we're good. <laughs> no, they're not. I, you no, know, they're not. So let's assume they're not there. Uh, let's assume we take Mike Tomlin at his word when he said all options are on the table. I would anticipate some sort of move is forthcoming. I don't know the, the caliber of player, the degree of commitment, and the splash of the ultimate move. But I think somebody else is coming here, whether it's a draft pick, whether it's, you know, a Baker Mayfield or a Derek Carr or a whomever. Jimmy Garoppolo. But you can't you can't go into this with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins fighting it out, can you? No, well, you can't. And that's what frustrates me when all these bunyaks out of the <laughs> habit of rooting for the Steelers for all of their lives simply reject the notion of going after a big-name quarterback like a Rodgers, a Carr, or a Wilson by saying, well, that's just not how they do business. Well, the way they've done business has gotten them two seasons out of the last 11 where they've actually won a playoff and the other nine have been completely dry. You know, this idea that you can't get Aaron Rodgers, you absolutely can. Like, we need to stop looking at this and applying 1999 principles to 2022. They've got the cap room. Like you said, players who are quarterbacks move now. They might have the capital to trade. I don't know why it's not how the Steelers do business to try to trade for Aaron Rodgers when you gave up a first for a free safety in Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't know why it's out of character for the Steelers to move up in the draft to get Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral if they really like him when you moved up to get Devin Bush. How, that, how does that look right now? It's like, well, why is it impossible to do this for the quarterback when, like you said, it is the complete defining thing that is different between them and the teams that are still playing. If they had a quarterback, this nine win team might be an 11 win team, a 12 win team might've gotten a buy, might've hosted a game, might not have had to go to Kansas city in the first round. If they had a quarterback, well, you know, well, why are we bringing this up, foisting this upon ourselves in this city? Like we have to take this because we took it for so long between 1983 and 2003 because we did it once we can do it again i don't want to do it again if you got the opportunity take it for those of you listening at home tim did not just have an aneurysm he's just oh, very you passionate you don't know him. that <laughs> tim will next be running to senate where we he will continue subsequent filibusters <laughs> as the representative from syracuse new york uh, you know, so it's long fun as they're allowed, Mike, so long as they're allowed, you know, it's the funniest part about this whole thing is if the Steelers did things the way the Steelers already have, they wouldn't have this problem because they wouldn't have traded for Minka Fitzpatrick and they would have won, I believe, significantly fewer games in the duck 
Mason season, right. and they probably would have been in position to draft Justin Herbert, who would have sat a year behind Ben Roethlisberger last year as Roethlisberger w- would have been allowed to come back from injury and you know go out with his boots on, so to speak. But then this season that we just completed, he wouldn't have been here anymore, and Justin Herbert would have been your quarterback and you'd be infinitely ahead of the game. But I don't buy the they don't they they don't do it this way or this is the way they always do things. They traded up for Bush. They traded for Fitzpatrick. They have adapted. They are doing things differently than the Steelers of old. And, mm-hmm. you know, I applaud that because, you know, evolve or die, as the saying goes. But, you know, how deep in are they prepared to go? Uh, I wrote a column uh, for Pittsburgh Magazine last week. And it talks about Mike Tomlin saying all options are on the table. And I applaud that. Great. But are they willing to back that up with more than lip service? Are they going to go all in for the next guy? Or do they think that this past season that we just completed was the start of a rebuild that's going to take a couple, three more years, and they can have a caretaker guy before they eventually get their guy? Because I'm here to tell you, Tim, it's all about the quarterback. This just in. And if you look at the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers and compare their rosters guy for guy, the biggest disparity in Green Bay's favor is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. The rest of it, pretty similar. You, yeah. look at the, you look at the Chiefs and the Steelers and the Chiefs team that ushered the Steelers out of the playoffs by kicking the crap out of them for the second time in a couple of weeks. The biggest, biggest disparity position by position was Patrick Mahomes and the just-retired Ben Roethlisberger, who, God bless him, he didn't kill him this year, but he wasn't playing the kind of game that you got to play in today's day and age. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit emotional and and uh, appreciative uh, on this day when he makes his retirement official, but there could not have been a next season because no. he, he can't do it anymore. There shouldn't have been a this season. And maybe if there wasn't a this season, they're in at least position to – draft Kenny Pickett if they want him, or they've got a first-round pick that's high enough that they might not have to give too much more to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. But I don't think they have the stomach to ever intentionally set themselves up to go 6-10. and ten. I mean, Mike, they went 6-10, and ten and they barely got Ben. Like, that that's the worst season that we have seen in Pittsburgh in the Heinz field era and even going back a year or two before that. And it happened by accident, you know, like, and, and not only did that happen by accident, them getting Ben shouldn't have happened because too many other teams passed on him, including one that had a golden opportunity to take him in their division and they let it go. So like, you know, it, they weren't angling to be bad to get a quarterback in 2003. Like, and let me, I, let me just interject here. I, I applaud them for that. I'm, I like it when a team I follow tries not to be really bad. Right. I, no, I think I, I'm not I, for tanking either. I think there's value in that. So, okay, go ahead. Continue now. So, so my point being is like, you know, when they entered 2003, they thought they had something for a couple yes. years in Tommy. Yes, they, they did. thought that they had evolved to the point where they could wing the ball around a little bit. And Jerome's getting old and we need to change the offense. We got Heinz and Plex and we Air can win. Car. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, and that's how they got to a win the postseason and, you know, almost beat the Titans the next round and all that. So, like, they weren't preparing for 2003. 2003 blew up in their face. Tommy came back to earth. The defense wasn't as good and was getting old in some places. The line was hideous. The line was a disaster. 
and they wound up six and 10 and still they had to wait until the third quarterback came to them at pick 11. Like, so they're the way that they think the way that they operate with Ben Roethlisberger's elbow needing to be repaired and duck and Mason as their options. They took a first round pick and traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. They, they can't stomach being the giants. They can't stomach being the Jaguars. They're just not going to do that. So they're never going to allow themselves to be in a position to automatically say, oh, well, we're 20th this year. We can't get Kenny Pickett. But, you know, next year we'll be sixth and we'll get who's ever there. Like, I just, I don't trust them to be able to allow themselves to do that. You know, one other thing uh, that I think is pertinent, a really interesting piece this week by Todd McShay, one of the draft gurus for ESPN. And he went back to the 2017 pre-Patrick Mahomes scouting report. And the, the, the reason I bring this up, it, pre-draft Patrick Mahomes scouting yeah. report, the reason I bring this up is we've heard from some you know people who were supposed to be alleged experts on this stuff that this is not the year to get a quarterback, right? Right. Well, who really knows? A, I haven't heard a team guy say that, a GM or you know somebody that's actually going to pick players. And B, uh, McShay brought all this stuff up out of, out of the archives because he said Mahomes has changed the way he evaluates the position because he has so far exceeded expectations. Just a couple snippets from what McShay wrote. On a rating system of one being exceptional and five being marginal, he gave Mahomes three for mental makeup, average. He gave him three for accuracy, average. He had him as the 44th overall prospect in that draft, which is middle of the second round. And some of the things that were written then uh, has to adjust from a primary shotgun offense with a small playbook, limited play calling verbiage, and minimal pre-snap responsibility for the QB. His mechanics are all over the place. Rarely throws from a balanced base, step to his target, and transfers his weight from back to front. Delivery and release point are all over the place. Pocket presence below average. I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't Patrick Mahomes until he was Patrick Mahomes. Well, so actually, my- I, see, I thought you were going to go in a different way when you said that because a lot of the things that you read there that he was describing as negatives, we now say about Patrick Mahomes as a yeah, positive. He's still doing that stuff. He's throwing it from all over the place, yeah, all right. kind of angles. That's where I thought you were going with it. No, but it, the thing is, you don't really know. Maybe there's a guy out there. All you need is one, okay? It's up to the teams. This is their responsibility every year, and I get that it's a hard process, but you figure out what you want and what a guy can do and if those two things can meet in the middle, all you need is one guy. So maybe this is the year you draft a guy in the first round. Maybe it's Kenny Pickett. Maybe it's uh, Zippy, whatever the guy's name is from Western Kentucky, the guy who had me nervous in September when I was watching. <laughs> you talked about him last week. And now, what was his name? Blaine something or other from Western Kentucky. You can't, some zippy, zappy. I, he threw for a zillion yards. It was a. Uh, Air raid, no huddle, pass all the time offense. I can give you 19 negatives on the guy. He had like a zillion yards and more touchdowns than anybody else. He broke Joe Burrow's record. This guy had this guy had me terrified in September when I was watching him play my Michigan State Spartans. Thankfully, we still won the game. But all I'm saying is you never know who that guy is. Uh, don't the team should not be listening to outside sources telling them what is and is not available. And I don't think fans should either. I mean, it's great copy and content, and we'll both talk ourselves blue in the face about the draft until the draft actually takes place. We don't really know either, 
that guy might be out there. That guy might be out there in trade. That guy might be out there in free agency. I am just praying that the guy's out there somewhere because I don't think he's here right now. The willingness to settle for Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, it's funny, Mike, and I actually posted a couple of these this morning. I do this you mad bro thing, which is a Q&A that I do with readers and people that follow me on Twitter. Sort of my version of a mailbag, which is basically my yeah. version of yelling at people without a microphone. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. almost like picking an argument. Yeah, like, and, like, I, and I can do that from the comfortable distance of my yeah. email inbox. Yes, you're, in, you're nice. instigating. I, I, I love this. This is uh, <laughs> this is your offense. This this is your this is your zone. That's right. This is me rolling out. This is my bootleg in the Mac Canada offense. I can run this yeah. offense. This is your Bayheim zone, baby. <laughs> it's impenetrable when it's done right. So. I had a bunch and I left a ton on the cutting room floor. Like at, at some point I wanted to weave in the yeah, line. I bet that happens a lot. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially now with what's going on with the quarterbacks and with Aaron Rodgers, I wanted to weave in the line and I didn't do it that I would have put in a positive email about the Steelers going out to Aaron Rodgers to, to maybe get him, but I couldn't find one. I don't have any people have just worked themselves into a tizzy about, you know, his age, his record, in the playoffs, his personality, his drama, his vaccination status. Like, we're all worried about these things. All I know is he had a 37-4 to touchdown interception ratio and threw for 4,100 yards. And if you're worried about his record in the playoffs, which is 1-4 in, in NFC Championship games, the guy we're crying about in our beer today lost seven of his last ten before he retired. And only one of them was a championship game. So th- this notion of, like, you're making the Steelers worse by getting Aaron Rodgers instead of Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. What are we talking about? You know, he's going to win the MVP. It's the fourth one of his career this year. He's going to win it. And the same people, like I will literally find Mike, these emails where in one sentence, they will say something to the effect of why would Aaron Rodgers ever want to come here anyway? And then by the end of the email, they say Mason will do better with what he's got now to begin with. Well, wait a minute. How, how could it be both then? Like, I, I don't get the mentality of the team around the quarterback is good enough to make Mason Rudolph competitive, but, but Aaron it's Rogers, so bad. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't want to come play for it. So you the think way, there's that little of a gap between Mason Rudolph and Aaron Rodgers. I, I can only uh, quote the great Mike Tomlin when he said, I can talk myself into anything. Uh, that that's yeah. a, that's a pretty regular practice out there. Uh, Bailey Zappi is the guy's name from Western Kentucky. Just re- remember that name. Uh, don't know what round, but he threw a lot of passes up. Well, to us, he should just be zippy. Like Mahomes is Springsteen to you. And we should just go with that. That should be his nickname moving forward. Zippy. He will need a nickname. If he is in fact, whoever's the guy is going to need a nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not going to be good as Springsteen, the future of rock and roll. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, excuse me, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the present. Uh, you can't just go down to the Mahomes store, but you can do better. You can close that gap between what the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs have a quarterback and what you have a quarterback. And if you close it enough, maybe some of the other areas where you're actually better than those teams because they don't have Cam Hayward and they don't have TJ Watt and they don't have Minka Fitzpatrick and they don't have Najee Harris and they don't have Pat Fryer. The Steelers are not a toxic wasteland. I mean, th- this has been one of the one of the worst years in recent memory, and they went uh, nine, uh, seven, and one, and right. they went to the playoffs. I mean, 
not that far away, but it's there's a certain road that's got to be traveled to get from here to there. Yeah, and I I have advanced that argument too, and sometimes I feel a bit hypocritical when I say it because I've been ripping the team for how they got to nine seven and one. I've been ripping the team for how they got in the playoffs. I mean, nine seven and one only got them in because the Colts lost to the Jaguars. And well, that can it, that can never be forgotten. But nine seven and one was also good enough to get in, and they didn't get in because of quarterback play that has now been absent. Their quarterback play is part of the reason they were only nine, seven and one, I think. And like, I know everybody wants to talk about the offensive and defensive lines. Well, it, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is. They're not going to make Stefan Tuitt come back and Tyson Alualu might come back on his own. He's still under contract. And what the quarterback can do is make the offensive line better. He can't block for himself, but he can make better reads. He can get rid of the ball faster. He can keep plays alive he can get them in better down and distance situations so that there's a threat of a run on second and three. He can get more out of Patrick Mahomes and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, a better quarterback than what they had in the last year of Brett Ben Roethlisberger. God bless his soul and his elbow. They just didn't have that. And they're not going to have it in Haskins and Rudolph. And then there really will be a team that looks like a six or seven win team. And the reason, I mean, Ben did what he could this year with what he had physically left and what he had around him. The, the thing you got to find the the characteristic that they have to rediscover is what Ben Roethlisberger did when he was young, which was shed would be blitzers and extend plays. He wasn't going to run the ball. He wasn't going to take off and go like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, or even a Joe Burrow when it's a, you know, if he needs six, seven yards, he'll take that Justin Herbert. You saw what he did to the Steelers. But what these guys do, Tim, is they extend the play, and that's what breaks the defense down. When you make the play take longer, okay, you're running away from where the line has let people attack you, and, and you're evading those guys. So the blocking's better because the blocking just doesn't matter as much. You're not getting sacked in the pocket. Your receivers don't have to uh, achieve separation as quickly because once the quarterback moves, then the defense is going to break down in reaction to that. And guys start going into your scramble drill rules and all. It becomes more of a uh, improv improvisational game and, yeah. and abilities can take over that way. It's just the way the game is played now. And if the quarterback's able to run, if there's a rush lane or if they're in man defense and everybody's got their back still trying to chase receivers five and six seconds later, you can take off and move the chains that way. And oh, by the way, if you're the quarterback, once you get as far as you think you need to go on that particular down, you can slide and you're not going to get hurt and you're not going to fumble. And it's just all stacked in the favor of the quarterback dictating the rules and the way the game's being played and all that. Ben wasn't going to be that guy this year. He couldn't move. So he had to get those shotgun snaps and get rid of the ball. And some of the stuff he did in his comebacks and, and massaging whatever could be gleaned from this offense, he did it. But they have to aspire to be better. And there's a way they can be better. And that is having a better trigger guy. Yeah. And I, I'm as dubious as anybody about how the Mac Canada offense is going to look, because I think where Mac Canada um, damned himself, irrespective of the tools that he didn't have to work with were in some of his play calling decisions where chips were really against him. And I think he made matters worse with some of his play calls, you know, the sideways passes to not like the fourth down against Cincinnati or the picket fence plays. Yeah. No, I did not like those Sam. I am. 
I did not like those. Play action be damned. <laughs> <laughs> Took a while to get there, but good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I, I just, I, I don't trust him as a coordinator, but I do think that whatever he has as an offense was so vastly limited by the players that he was given to run it. So I do think you will see better from him next year in terms of his scheming. I don't know what you'll see from his game uh, calling. Now that's a different story. I think you'll see it look a little bit more like San Francisco. And uh, this much I'm sure of when I went to training camp every day, I saw a lot of play action bootleg, which gets the quarterback out on the wing and breaks the defense down with run action. And, and you know, all the guys moving around pre-snap. And there were times when uh, both Rudolph and Haskins looked like they were capable of executing that. There was also practice late in camp. I think it was before Ben was going to play in the Detroit game and make his one preseason appearance. And he actually had a great practice because I was skeptical he could hold up physically even lasting the season. Mm -hmm. And he was moving around. He looked rejuvenated. He looked 10 years younger. Um, I, I still have this vision burned in my brain of an empty set with Anthony McFarland on one slot and Najee Harris as the wide guy on the other side of the field and fast guys all over the place and motions and options. And I think that's what Matt Canada wants to get to. I don't know what happened to McFarland, why he went away. Uh, play action bootleg was almost never used because that's just not Ben's game at this point. Under center was not game, Ben's game at this point. I give Canada a incomplete. And, uh, yeah, I hated the Cincinnati call and the Green Bay call. But the, some of the other ones, people were bitching. Why did you run this? On the, well, what were you going to run that you knew would work? The answer is they didn't have that club in their bag. They were throwing crap at the wall and hoping something would stick. Yeah. How many clubs are you allowed in a golf bag? Oh, I don't know. I, I never pay attention to rules in golf. I mean, it's, I think it's 12 or 13, 12. but I carry as many as I need. I keep as many balls as I need. Well, they had 12 putters is what winter, they had. Winter rules, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We come back. We'll get to the games on Sunday. AFC, NFC championship game. Stay with us because 12 Mike. 12 putters. <laughs> It's not like Tin Cup with that seven iron. He can make that thing do anything. <laughs> Have you ever shot par with a seven iron? It never <laughs> occurred to me to try. <laughs> Mike has a parlay that can't lose. That's coming up next here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pittsburgh CityCast, Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta, continuing on here on a Thursday in advance of Penguins Kraken. We might get to that in just a little bit. I know Mike is attending that game, maybe some college basketball, but our focus is on the NFL. We've already solved everything that needs to happen with the Steelers quarterback situation in the offense. All Art Rooney II needs to do is listen to this podcast, and he'll be fine. Uh, as far Which as I'm sure he does. How you doing, Art? Long time to see Clearly, he's doing exactly that right now. And everybody who is listening to this podcast, I think – should be playing the teaser that Mike Pursuta has advanced and will advance right now for us because, Mike, you told me about this yesterday, and uh, I'm in. You sold me. I I'm not necessarily sold 
on San Francisco beating the Rams. It sounds like you are. I'm not sold on San Francisco beating the Rams, but I am sold on how you want to tease the two games this Sunday. I'm sold on a lot of stuff, Tim. Now, uh, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. The whole point of a teaser to me is to, you know, massage the odds in your favor. Bend that line because Vegas is pretty good at these lines. And as I look at my uh, Bet Rivers app uh, as we speak, Kansas City's minus seven Mm -hmm. and the 49ers are plus three and a half. Uh, What I'm going to do is uh, get one of those seven point teasers worked out where you get the Chiefs down to pick and you get the Niners up to 10 and a half. I'm not going to say this can't lose because it can. Anything can lose. But if you find something with a, a greater probability for success, let me know. And it's, you know, you got to wait through both games and all that. And uh, you got to resist uh, picking the winner and uh, playing a halftime line, which got me in trouble. Thank you, Tennessee Titans, who were just sacking the crap out of the Cincinnati Bengals and still trailing nine to six at halftime. And I thought, there's no way the Bengals can block these guys. Tennessee's going to win the game. And the Bengals still couldn't block those guys, but Tennessee found a way to lose the game. I digress. <laughs> I like the Chiefs at pick. I like the 49ers at uh, plus 10 and a half. I do think San Francisco is going to win the game, but a lot of wiggle room. And I, I can't envision the Bengals going into Arrowhead Stadium and winning an AFC championship game. I mean, kudos to them. Burrow's going to be a pain in the ass for 10 years. And Jamar Chase is great. And everything's rolling in Cincy and who day. And, you know, the division uh, – changing of the guard, whatever, however you want to describe it, but they're not going in there at stadium and winning. So if I can get this to where all my team's got to do is win a home game when I've got the better team, I like my chances. I agree with all that. In fact, that's exactly how I'm going to play it. I probably would have played the games separately and maybe yeah. taken uh, – I will. I, I am. Planning. By the way, if this if this doesn't work, Tim and I will be at opposite ends of the 10th Street Bridge with our little <laughs> signs that say, honest to God, the teaser looked great, didn't it? Our signs will say offering quarterback advice for food. Uh, that's what we will be saying for maybe Art Rooney to come find us, depending on which bridge we're talking about specifically, Mike, for him to get back over from the south side. Um, but anyway, the way I viewed the games before you gave me this, I, I was going to take the chiefs to cover at anything under a touchdown it's it's pretty much at its max for me right now because i do think the bengals are going to make this interesting when it comes to the other game i'm not as sold as you are on the niners like for instance if it came down to it and you knew the teaser blew up in the front end because the bengals did win you're going to go and play the niners right to try to to make it up absolutely absolutely to cover well you're going to take the three and a half right yeah, well, as as I've pointed out several times during the course of this season, if you're taking a money line underdog, to me, you're just doing that for ego. To say, oh, I called the shot. Everybody said they were going to lose. I said they were going to win. To me, plus 155 isn't enough of an enticement. I think San Francisco is going to win, but, boy, I'd feel pretty stupid if they lost by three and there was three and a half sitting on the table, and I didn't take it just because I thought they were going to win. So my theory in that is, you know, bet more and take the points if if you like the odds of that, you know, winning the money line thing. Now, I've taken money lines uh, because I don't want to give points. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, I, I never take him as an underdog. I just don't. And, uh, hey, if this is a normal Sunday or I felt like spreading action all over the place, I'd probably bet KC minus seven. I'd probably bet over 54 and a half in that game. I would probably bet San Francisco plus three and a half. I would probably bet over 46 in that game. But I think the Niners are going to win, and here's why. And again, the tease is what I'm doing. But here's why I think the But if it comes down to it on the back end, yeah. Here's, here's why I think the 49ers are going to win. Six straight wins against the Rams. And, yes, this is a different Rams team, both from recent seasons and from the start of this season. But the Niners played them in mid-November and in Week 18. They beat them both times. Now, the games played out differently the way the scores were piling up. Uh, in the first game, San Francisco pretty much rolled. In the second game, the Niners had to come back from 17 nothing down early and from 24-17 down late to win it in overtime. But there are some consistencies Uh, The Niners possessed the crap out of the ball in both games. The Niners ran the crap out of the ball in both games. Jimmy Garoppolo played relatively mistake-free, and Matthew Stafford was the guy that threw four picks in the two games. I think the Rams showed us who they were again against Tampa, a team that can be spectacular at times, a team that's got star power, but a team that can screw up uh, the simplest of things. And when you're up 27 to three midway through the third quarter and that thing gets tied late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Kudos to them that they were able to take advantage of a complete blow blown coverage by Tampa and kick a field goal at the end and still win. But uh, that doesn't uh, fill me with confidence that uh, the Rams have it together. Now, I guess people would argue or counter, well, the Niners didn't even get an offensive touchdown in Green Bay, but mm-hmm. they went in. They went into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they, they, I think they're going to take the stadium over fan-wise. I don't think the Rams have much of a home advantage anyway, so that doesn't befront me at all, as George Thorogood might say. And, you know, the Niners are going for their second Super Bowl in three years, Tim. Correct me if I'm wrong. If Jimmy G hits that pass to Emmanuel Sanders, the last three years have been a completely different narrative. I, I know I did this. I think a lot of other people did too. When San Francisco lost to Kansas City and Garoppolo was still the quarterback, it got dismissed. Up, oh, that guy's the quarterback. They can't win. They they have won a lot of football games since then. Yeah. I think they're gonna win another one. And their system was good enough at times to stay afloat without him. So there is that. Him being injury prone, I think, comes into the bigger discussion about do you want him if you're not San Francisco or do you want to keep him instead of going with Trey Lance? But that's kind of a different conversation. It's an entirely different conversation than can he get the job done and stay within four points on Sunday? Yeah, it's also a different conversation than is he Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins? <laughs> yes, it is. All right, so uh, you have convinced me on the tease. I'm never going to convince you to play individual props. I know that I've given up on that, but some people like to play them. So I'm going to throw this out there. And I mentioned this one to you and uh, I have now done a little bit more uh, research on it. And what I discovered was uh, my feeling that the chiefs have a propensity to try to focus so much attention on one wide receiver that they let other wide receivers do damage well, I looked at the numbers a little bit more, and there's at least against good teams that they've faced that have Pro Bowl receivers, there's truth to that. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. Jamar Chase, for instance, roasted them when they played each other in Cincinnati. 266 and three touchdowns. They are going to do whatever they possibly can to make sure he is limited. Well, they've done that to Stephon Diggs twice, and actually it kind of worked out. I think he only had like 
five catches for 76 yards in the two games against the Chiefs this year. But Gabriel Davis had 201 in four scores. The game before that, the tight end, Dawson Knox, had 117 in a touchdown. When they played against Keenan Allen, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, they held him under 80 twice. But in one of those games, Mike Williams went off for 122 and two touchdowns. I see the two other wide receivers who are real good at being other wide receivers, not named Jamar Chase. I could see Tyler Boyd easily going over 39 and a half. I could see T Higgins going over 70 and a half. If you like those guys, maybe on a prop to score as well, do that. Chase is Chase. He could still get his. Maybe they throw everything at him and he's still covered. and He still makes plays. That's entirely possible. But I think they will try to limit him. And I think those are two very good complimentary receivers to his number one. And I think you can make some money on those two individual props. Not going to argue. I, I, I do not think the Kansas City defense is very good. I know it had uh, a period of time at midseason where it was performing very well statistically. I think three games in a row, giving up nine points or fewer. Uh, one of those, of course, was with Aaron Rodgers not playing for Green Bay. But I don't think it's a very good unit. Uh, so, therefore, any offensive uh, road you want to go down with the Bengals. The only one I would caution is uh, Joe Mixon. I think he's a great back, but I think what's going to limit the Cincinnati running game is the Bengals aren't going to be able to keep up. The Chiefs are going to achieve some separation early in this game, and that's going to take away the running game. The, the, the Bengals are going to stop Joe Mixon because they're going to look up at some point before halftime and say, we're down 14, we're down 17. We got to throw it all over the yard. So that leads you to more passing slash receiving stuff. Uh, I also think uh, the Chiefs might get well ahead in this one, but the Bengals will be scrappy and they'll keep scrapping to the yeah. end and they'll get a couple, maybe 10 cheap points at the end while the Chiefs are waiting for the uh, Super Bowl celebration to commence and make it look a little more cosmetically uh, respectable in the box score. Um, so yeah, have at it, but, uh, you know, again, Kansas city, why do I think they're going to win? Even if I think their defense stinks, cause they have Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey. All right, Mike Kraken penguins goal and a half on the puck line. It's paying out at one forty-eight for the, for the penguins minus one forty-eight. straight up. It's minus three sixty. The over under six and a half. I know you're going, how are you playing the pens tonight? Oh, I'll give the one and a half, you know, uh, the other day against Arizona, it was minus two and a half. Yep. It was had never seen that before. I, I heard that from Jay Caulfield during the broadcast and it was confirmed to me on Twitter by a listener to the DVE morning show. How about you're given one and a half and it's minus one forty-eight. Yep. I mean, that's an expensive one and a half. It really is. Yeah. Relatively speaking, but, uh, yeah, as, as long as Tristan Jari's in the net, I'll go there. I haven't checked that out yet. Um, we are, we are taping this on uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, the other guy is, is a mess right now. And I'm not saying Casey DeSmith's got to go and, you know, they need a new backup goal or any of that stuff, but he's not in a good spot. But, uh, that said, the Penguins coming off a spate of games where they have not played Mike Sullivan hockey. They have not played to the standards that they hold themselves to in terms of puck management, decision-making, all that great stuff that Sully likes to wax poetic about for two and a half minutes at a time. Um, I think they, they play a pretty buttoned down game tonight and I think Seattle's no match for him. So I'll give, I'll give the one and a half. Now that said, I did that last week against Ottawa and it was five to one after the first period. And I felt pretty good about it. And <laughs> so I much left for that. 
and I'm listening, uh, driving home. I'm listening to Josh Getzoff, and he keeps saying, Senator Score, Senator Score, <laughs> Senator Score. I'm like, hey, Getzoff, will you shut the hell up with the Senator Score? And it had to come down to a damn empty netter, but that's the beauty of the one and a half. That's why they make it one and a half, because, you know, chances are most NHL games are tight. Yep. Uh, a lot of times there's an empty net at one end, and uh, that makes for some great excitement. To me, that is way more exciting when you got enough bucks on a minus one and a half line that you care and the team you're back and has a one goal lead and is trying to hit that empty net. Tim, that is way more exciting than three and three overtime. Oh, it's the greatest three. Look at them skate around in circles and shoot because there's nobody out there to stop. Oh, this is so much fun. The only thing that I want to see more than three on three overtime. I can't be your bestie if you don't like three on three overtime. (laughs) The only thing I want to see more than that tonight for you is somewhere in the playoffs, Penguins versus Capitals with Marc-Andre Fleury as a capital and watch your head explode because everybody else's head is going to explode. Uh, It's not going to, mine won't explode. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen to Penguin Nation, though. I think Penguins gonna... Nation's heads would explode. Oh, I don't know what they would do with that. It would look like the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Mike Pursuta. That's that too dated a reference. <laughs> no. For people that don't know, it was this prison colony. They had these things around <laughs> these guys' necks. And instead of a fence, they had an electric line. And if you crossed it, the thing around your neck made your head explode. Yes, that's uh, that's how it worked. And uh, there have been some games where I've been on the puck line where I felt like I needed one of those. That's an underrated flick, by the way. It is. Yeah. There's some gambling and running man, wasn't there? Oh, absolutely. They were betting on uh, the game. It was. Yes, because the criminals would get caught and they'd be forced onto this game show that Richard Dawson hosted and did a phenomenal job. (laughs) And they were betting on who would get killed and who would do the killing and all that stuff. And it was uh, it looked like some high intensity action to me, Tim. Mike will be back with us next week after he watches Sparty against Maryland. We'll see how that goes for you, Mike. We'll have a full recap here. Matt Williamson coming up tomorrow. Sparty, by the way, has covered consecutive games on the road at Wisconsin where it won outright and at Illinois where we lose a heartbreaker by one, but we were getting five. We've got Michigan at home Saturday. They're going down, Tim. I don't know what the number is. Take the home team in that one. Izzo's got them going. Matt Williamson tomorrow, too, here in the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare